Hello everyone, this is Britt, your host of the Petite Polymath. It's been a while, but I'm back, and I'm doing something a little differently this time. I'm actually going to be talking about a whole series of books, um, The Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini, and I hope you stick around. Okay, so, um, yes, I took a long break, mainly because I kind of got over reading fiction for a bit, and then kind of reading for fun in general, because life kind of got busy, um, and I had some plans for some things I was going to read, and then I just kind of couldn't be bothered, so there we are. Um, at any rate, <clears throat> I kind of jumped right back into fiction over the holidays, and I read four books by the author Christopher Paolini, The Inheritance Cycle. Shout out, once again, to young adult fantasy. Um, the books are Aragon, Eldest, Brissinger, and Inheritance. It took me a little bit to read them, mainly just because I got distracted by other things, but I had quite a bit of travel over the holidays, so I would kind of pick them up, and I just finished Inheritance tonight, eating dinner, um, and they were wonderful. Uh, one thing that stands out to me is Christopher, Christopher Paulini. So he is the same age as me, and he wrote or began to write Aragon uh, when he was 15 years old. So he was homeschooled, and he graduated high school when most people start high school at the age of 15. Uh, and, or really we start at 14, but that's neither here nor there. At any rate, he finishes high school at 15, and he starts writing Aragon then. And... I just have to say that his grasp on humanity, on the complexity of people, uh, on right and wrong and good and evil, the ability of people to be better, to not be who they've always been, uh, the ideas of desire versus, um, you know, kind of what is uh, required. A 15-year-old... Boy, I mean, that's really impressive, his grasp of this. Um, and so I had a few ideas that I kind of jotted down, actually, as I was reading, to talk about. So, things that stand out. For those of you who are not familiar with this series, Aragon is a, an orphan adopted by his uncle, Garrow, um, and was raised with his cousin, Roran, who is maybe a few years older than him. They live in a town, I believe or an area called Caraval, uh, in this fictional world that already knows of the presence of other races. And by races, I don't mean you're brown or you're black. I mean that you're not human. You're elves or you're dwarfs or you're urgles, which is, I guess, the equivalent of like, like an orc in Tolkien world speak, maybe. Um, and you might be some other sort of scary thing as well. Or you're a dragon. So these are the races that, like, this is legitimate use of the word race. Humans are stupid. Why we use race to describe each other when we're just different colors is beyond me. But at any rate, you know, I didn't make this up. Um, and so Aragon lives in this world. Um, he happens to come across this um, shiny stone-like being or thing 
when he is um, in the backwoods called the Spine um, of his community, which is a place that most people don't go because they claim it's wit bewitched. And uh, maybe it is because ultimately this rock thing that he happens upon is not a rock. It is a dragon egg. And this egg hatches for him. And when it hatches, he is bound to this dragon. Uh, and uh, the dragon is, ends up ultimately being named Sephira because it's a lady. And they have this extremely intimate bond and you know, pretty much insanity and chaos ensues from this point forward. Of course, as any Buildings Roman or Epic goes, Aragon is not who he appears to be. and He doesn't even realize who he actually is. And he finds this out over the series of, over the, over the, the books that, that you read. Um, you know, it's, it's ideas of who am I? Um, where did I come from? What is my purpose? Uh, is it just me, or is there someone bigger than me that I answer to? And of course, you know, uh, my responsibility to my community, my responsibility to my family. Will I have my own personal family? Will I find love? Will I find fulfillment? All these questions, right? Uh, and so, um, of course, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to tell you a ton about it. I will tell you that if you like fantasy and you enjoy young adult fiction, you should give it a try. If you are a Harry Potter fan, or a Tolkien fan, or a Narnia, hat tip, C.S. Lewis, or maybe Madeline Lingle with the whole time, I guess series, because it's really kind of five books and not just three, then I, I tell you, go read it. Um, if you liked Philip Glass, oh no, wait, that's a musician, sorry, Philip Pullman. It's late, y'all, and I'm on call, I'm a little fuzzy. Philip Pullman, The Dark Materials, then I tell you to go read this series. Some things that stand out to me um, are the following. Some themes are the ability to change. The people are not static. They are dynamic. And then as long as they are alive with breath in their bodies, they can be different than who they currently are. That the worst person can be introspective, can master themselves, and can be better. Um, this idea that despite that ability, there are consequences to actions, and that when you do something, there is, there is going to be a cost, right? Um, there's a statement that comes up from a character named uh, Nasuada later on, and she says to someone very important to her, I don't forgive, but I understand. So this idea that there, there is retribution, that vengeance is a thing, that revenge can be a thing, and not so even, not so much even just vengeance or revenge, but but justice for behaviors, um, even in the midst of mercy. Uh, the idea that you can be more than than a victim, which I think is very important. Um, I just got back from Sundance, and a lot of the themes of the week were these concepts of you know of narrative and ethical narrative telling. Right, the idea that a story uh, has power to influence the listener and our obligation to tell stories that will make a difference for the good, um, that will shine light on things that need to be illuminated, uh, that will not glory in things that are dark and depraved, um, that will hopefully bring about change in the hearts of people. And so this idea that 
people who have been uh, the victim to, you know, at the hands of cruel people um, because of just unfortunate series of events, that they are larger, that they are more than the events that happened to them, uh, that they are defined by so much more than that. And while these things that happened shape them, they do not have the last answer. Uh, I liked the idea also of love being not just this romantic thing. And, and I really thought it was lovely. You know, Aragon struggles with, with kind of unrequited love, at least for a large portion of the series, and that might change who knows, I'm not telling you that it does, over the course of the books. But despite that, his bond with his dragon is profound. I mean, it's, it exceeds romance. Um, and he also has very deep friendships with other people and with other individuals from other races. And so there's this idea of being fulfilled even when you don't have a romantic partner. Uh, there's this idea of obligation uh, sometimes being more important than what your desire might be. Um, a theme, another theme that stands out to me is uh, the importance of a name. So there's the language that all the different races speak, whatever it might be, Elvish, Dwarvish, Urgle-ish, whatever language the humans are speaking. And then there is the ancient language, the language which everything pretty much responds to. And uh, throughout the, the books, there is this idea of everyone having a true name that they don't even know they have at the beginning, right? And depending on what race you are, like elves are, you know, the most, like, kind of wise and... Uh, and because of their society, they have a lot of time to ponder deep things. <clears throat> often they find out what their name is much sooner than other races. So, like, humans might live their whole life and never know what their name is just because we're too busy doing other things, like trying to survive or be selfish or whatever else is going on. Um, but if someone knows your true name, which if they know you well, they might, then they have power over you and can make you do things, honestly. Uh, and so it is uh, imperative in this world to have enough time to reflect and be introspective to know all of both the good and bad parts of yourself because your name is not aspirational. Your name is who you actually are. Um, and that includes, you know, your... Okay, I had to um, do some editing because, as I said, I'm on call and I think my pager went off and that was kind of awkward. So pardon me. At any rate, back to names. So uh, your name is the epitome of all of you, the good and the bad, uh, the brokenness and the good things and, your, you know, and the strengths um, and who you can be. And actually, we, act, we never see the names written down in the, in the novels. Uh, we just know they're conveyed to the owner of the name. So I, I thought that was kind of a neat way to, to approach that. Uh, another theme was one of the importance of self-mastery. That we can't control what's happening externally, what people say or do to us, but we can practice being able to master ourselves, to not be 
you know, tossed to and fro by whatever fickle wind is blowing outside, but to be rooted in who we are and be able to acknowledge our feelings and emotions, but not be at the whim of them, which is a deep, a deep thing for any of us to know today. Uh, one interesting bit, so anyone who's listened to my podcast knows I'm a Christian, so I, I would venture to say I'm guessing Paulini's probably atheist, um, as, you know, all the different races have different beliefs. Uh, the dwarves are like the humans. They believe in gods. Uh, they have one main god. I don't think the Urgles believe in anything. The elves think that they're, you know, sufficient on, the, on their own and, you know, are like your typical, uh, you know, self-congratulatory atheist who thinks that everybody who believes in and something more than themselves is, um, what would be the word? Deluded, I think would be an accurate adjective for what people have said to me. Uh, and so oh, I, I'm guessing Paulini was either working through his views on faith or doesn't really believe in much of anything, maybe is, is, is agnostic. Because um, he definitely kind of alludes to this idea that if there was a God and he was letting everything go to hell in a handbasket the way he does, clearly he's no God I'd want to be worshiping. And who needs God when you have dragons that are all-powerful practically, right? Um, or magic, which is another big thing. This idea of magic, should magic be controlled? What do we do if we, are, if we can't practice magic because we're, we're vulnerable to or at the mercy of those who practice it, and how do we know that they have our best intentions? I'm a little afraid of them. You know, I kind of can't predict what they're going to do. This seems like something I'd like to have under lock and key, right? Um, which is interesting, because in some ways, magic is a, a kind of a hopped up free, free will almost. You know, this idea that makes people very uncomfortable, that something can't be controlled, and therefore it is unpredictable and can be used for good or for ill. And people are very uncomfortable with that. And so I, I'd have to think about this more, but that's kind of my, my initial view on, on the idea of magic in the book, or the series of books, rather. Um, I try to think of ways that I would compile a playlist for this. I honestly don't even know where I would start. Yeah, I have to ponder this a little more. But I just will say that it was such a fun world to immerse myself in. I got teary-eyed at times. I was really nervous at times. I was heartbroken. I was excited. I was heartwarmed. I think Paulini did a really great job of capturing what it looks like to come of age. And not just come of age, but to find one's reason for living. Uh, to also find out that even when you feel that all of the odds are against you, you still do your very best, and you have no control over the outcome, 
That doesn't mean that you don't give 100% for what you know to be right. Uh, there's one last uh, idea that I'll leave you with. Um, at the very end, Aragon is deciding what he's going to do um, after, you know, this huge war has ended. And uh, someone that he has um, sworn fealty to, so pretty much he's in her service, and he decides to break away. And she says, will you answer to no one? And he said he, will, he would answer, answer to his conscience. And she says in reply, oh, a man of conscience, the most dangerous kind. So I leave you with that. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed my return to podcasting. I promise I plan to read some more books that are fiction. Right now I'm reading Stephen King's on writing because I'm doing a little bit of writing, so I need a little inspiration. Um, but at any rate, uh, I'm going to stop talking because I realized that I've said at any rate at least three or four times in this not even 20-minute podcast, which means that I need to work on my filler words or be okay with a few pregnant pauses. Goodbye! Petite Polymath was brought to you by Brit Stone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Come back next time.